Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called Green Light. You wouldn't be a railroader, would you? No. I was pretty sure you wasn't. Well, I can usually tell a rail a mile away, but... Well, you look kind of as if you might have been one one time or something. Oh, it's a compliment. Got to be a mighty good man to be a railroader. Not as good as you used to have to be, of course, but it's still a man-sized job. Me? Sure, once I was. In my time, you could pretty near always tell a railroader. Know how? Well, sir, if he had a thumb or a couple of fingers missing, he could tell he was a brakeman. Well, them old-time coupling pins, you know. More three-fingered brakemen. And if you've seen a fellow with one leg, you was pretty certain he's a railroader. Yeah, because there wasn't so many wars and automobiles and things like that to cut a fellow's leg off then. Pretty near always, he left it on a railroad track summers. Sure, that's how I lost mine. Yeah. Lost it a long time ago. Long time ago, that was, see? Phil Connors, my name. Pleased to meet you. I'm getting on the chief at 1201. First time I've ever been on one of them streamliners. First time I ever rode behind a diesel engine, too. We're going to California. Yeah, meet my girl. I ain't seen her in 42 years. She married another party, and then he passed away last May, and she got to writing to me. So I'm going to go see her. Got rid of a lot of my pride in 42 years. Yeah, sure have. Pride? Oh. Well, I wasn't going to let her marry a fellow with one leg, see? She bawled and boohooed about it, but... I was a young fool, and I went away and left her. Ah. Look at all them years wasted. Now, I got some good years left. Don't you fool yourself, even if I have got only one leg. Well, I guess you might say I lost it in a railroad accident. Then again, you might not. But, uh, that was part of the reason why I ran away and left Addie, you see. Hey, when I lost my leg, people thought I had bats in my belfry. Yeah, I, I don't suppose you'd chew the back of do you? <laughs> I'm trying to break myself of the habit before I see Addie. She she was always to set against it, you see. But I got a couple of days before I get to California, and I guess one more left. She won't hurt me. <laughs> uh, don't have cuspidors and depots anymore, it seems to me. Oh, well, no 
time, sure. It don't spit much anyhow. Well, I wasn't right with your railroader, you see. I mean, I pounded brass. Hmm? It's a legrifer, a brass pounder. I was working on this little branch line down South Sea, working the night trick of this little bitty town, what is this lumber mill. Forty, fifty people, practically all of them in the mill. And, but when the mill shut down, there ain't nobody much in the town. The day operator, <clears throat> he was Addie's brother, Ham Dorsey, his name was. They had a little house in town, and I, I roomed there. So I got to know Addie Dorsey. I tell you, these here deserted little towns. You ever been in one? Good gosh, at night all there is is hooty owls and squirrels. Jumping up and down on the roof and hooting. Raising a racket so you think nobody could sleep. Bet you can sleep all right. This night trick was a peach. Only had one train through after 11 o'clock, uh... Wave rate to come through any time between 11.30 and 1.30, depending on how many cars they had to set off down the line. Had to do their own switching on this here line. Only had five locomotives, old-fashioned 240s, looked like come out of the ark. <laughs> well, after I got used to the hootie owls and the other animals, I found I could give me quite a bit of shut-eye after this wave rate come through. Never was much traffic on the wire. Sometimes I sit and talk with some of the other operators a while. We never had much to talk about, so I sit and read a while and drowse off to sleep. Put my head right down alongside the sounder. The minute I'd hear him a call, I'd be wide awake. Yeah, a lot of old brass pounders can do that. You can set off a giant firecracker alongside their ear, and they won't turn a hair. But leave their own call come through, and they're on the ball like that. Well, then, after I'd been on a job a couple of months, Addie Dorsey, she got into the habit of coming past and bringing me a bucket of coffee along about 9 o'clock. And we'd set and talk. Oh, there is a cuspidor. Me and Addie, we were sitting there this one night in the summertime. It was kind of hot and sultry. The hootie owls and the squirrels got discouraged and gone to bed or something. You couldn't hear a sound anyplace. We were just sitting there at the edge of the light that come from the drop light over the table, talking kind of quiet. Feels like a storm coming up. Uh, you could stand some rain, I guess. That's so. Oh, oh excuse me, Eddie. Hope it isn't the company. Oh, didn't get much sleep today. Catch me a little after the way freight pulls through. Hope he's halfway on time tonight. He never is. He sure ain't. Don't you ever get tired of this kind of job, Phil? I sure do. I should think you would. It's awful monotonous. It isn't good for you. What I'd like to get... I'd like to do is get me a job with one of the telegraph companies. I know a fellow down in Orleans. Frank Gibbons, his name is. His sign is J.B. 
He's only been working for Postal eight months, and he gets $96 a month. Good. Wears a stiff collar every day, lives on the fat of the land. Two years ago, he was just a common brass pounder like me. I think it'd make you ashamed of yourself. Oh, I got plenty of time. Nobody's got plenty of time. Huh? Wait a minute. Oh, that's just Jim Nolan down the girl's side and talking to the dispatcher. What was you saying about time? Said nobody's got plenty of time. How's that? Well, you can't ever tell what's going to happen. You know, the best laid plans are mice and men. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Hate to see you wasting your time in a place like this. Do? Certainly do. Bad enough my brother Ham, but he's 44 years old, and he's always going to be an old batch. But you... I'm not going to be any old batch. Well, you're not going to find many girls that'll marry you, unless you're making a decent salary. Would you marry me if I was making money, Abby? Why, of course. You would? If you was making $96 a month, I'd marry you in a minute, Phil Connors. If you're to ask me. Well, I'd be darned. Well, you see. You know, I might do just that, Addie. Would you like living in New Orleans or Peoria or someplace like that? I've seen pictures of New Orleans. I know a fellow in Peoria, dispatcher for the Big Four. That's a nice town. I'd like to go out west. Well, maybe I could find a job out there. They say it's a common country. I don't know how it is for raising a family, though. My heavens. Is that thunder? I thought I'd seen lightning. Oh, i got to get home before the storm. Oh, it ain't here yet. Well, i better go. Oh, no, wait a little. Why? Uh, why, you uh, keep the company, talk. Oh, I don't want to get caught in a storm. Oh, maybe it'll blow over. Well, I'll wait a few minutes. Sure, sit down. Now, have another cup of coffee. No, thanks. Why? Did you see that lightning? Pretty, wasn't it? Oh, it scares me. Well, well set so you can't see out the window. Uh, over here. Well, I'd better go. No, no, stay. Well, real comfortable here, ain't it? Uh, turn your chair around, Annie. Like that, you see? Now you can't see the light. Is it better? Well, it's fine. Phil, i got to go before the storm hits. Sure. Eddie, you were saying something about raising a family. Now, we're not married yet. I know. Like as not, we won't be. You probably got another girl somewhere. No, I haven't. You sure you ain't? Well, you're the first girl I ever seen that I'd want to marry, Addie. Are you popping the question, Phil? I popped it a while ago. You said yes. If you get a good job. I'll get a good job, Addie. Well, then. What'd you do? I was to ask you for a kiss. Expect I'd give it to you. Seeing we're engaged. Oh, Phil, we'll be so happy. We sure will, honey. Oh, Phil, you devil, you. Uh, what's the matter? It's raining. Why, sure, it's been raining for five minutes. <laughs> oh, you did that a purpose. Well, I didn't make it rain. Yeah, but you made me turn away from the window so as I couldn't see it rain. <laughs> 
I want you to stay here a while. I got a notion to go right home in the rain anyhow. Oh, no. Oh, my gracious. It's just pouring. <laughs> well, you'll have to stay here a while now. Oh, I could kill you. Oh, come on. It ain't so unpleasant as all that, is it? Well, could be worse, I suppose. Dear, this storm will probably last all night. Well, hardly ever does. Oh, hand me some coffee. Might as well make the best of it. Sure. Coffee's cold, I'm afraid. Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> I put sugar in it. Uh, how big a family was you figuring on us having? Oh, not a very big one. Big families are awful expensive to raise. Two boys, maybe, and three girls? I wouldn't mind that. What was that? Whistle. Well, it's only 10 o'clock. Can't be the way freight, can it? Oh, I never heard of them being that early. Wait, I'll go look. You got a green light for sure, him? practically always got a green light. You see him? Well, it's raining awful hard. Yeah, there's his headlight. Well, if it's that freight and they're going to stop here, I'm going to run it. I want that crew to... Oh, paint him. And he ain't going to stop whoever he is. Why, he's really highballing. Oh, it's an extra. I can see his green markers. Well, who could it be? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Let's go outside. Well, hurry up. Hey, look at that engine. Well, that's a six-eight-wheeler. Well, what about it? Well, he ain't got any of them on this line. You suppose you could have got lost or something? I don't know, but he sure got the Johnson bar over in the corner hole. He better ease up time he gets to that curve at Reno Hill. That's the funniest thing I ever heard of. Me too. Look at that booger roll. Well, he must be making 50 mile an hour. If he ain't careful, he... I knowed it, I knowed it. Run and get your brother quick, Eddie. He's left the iron. So, I quick run inside and got the dispatcher and told him about this here train and the way he piled up. And all he said was, what train? Appears he didn't know no more about it than I did, so I... Run outside and set the board red against the way freight so as he wouldn't pile up on top of this here wild train. I got me a lantern and I run down the track like a bat out of the bath place. And Addie, she was waking up her brother and the rest of the people in town. The rain was coming down fit to kill. Well, sir, you know what? I run pretty near a mile down the track. That train wasn't 500 feet away from the depot when he left the iron. But I looked high and low, and there wasn't a sign of nothing. Not hiding their hair, that train. Now, what do you think of that? Well, Addie and her brother sure roused up the town, and a couple of fellas got out a hand car, and... They pumped it all the way down to the next flag stop. They couldn't find hide in her hair of it, neither. And the wires was jumping. Everybody from the master mechanic down to the section bosses was asking questions. And if you think I didn't have a great time answering them, man. Well, you see, I couldn't call in Addie for a witness. 
Well, how would that look? You know, oh, she wanted to get me out of the Sandy I got myself into, and her brother Ham said she should, too, but yeah, I wouldn't leave her do it. Well, I get off with a warning. I had a good reputation for soberness, you see, so everybody finally agreed I had a nightmare or something, and they jumped up and down on me for falling asleep. Then I took a lot of kidding from the other operators along the line. Got pretty doggone tired of it, too. Well, Ham and me, we had a lot of discussion about it, and Ham, he said it probably was a ghost train. Then he'd heard about ghost trains before. Like President Lincoln's funeral train that they see every once in a while, running along slow in the night, all draped in black and the bell tolling like a church bell. Ever heard of that? Well, you ask old-time railroaders sometimes. Well, one thing was, Addie never come around to the depot nights anymore. But we talked a lot. Don't you see, Phil? This is the best time for you to get out of here now and go somewhere else and get a job. I don't see it, Addie. Well, everybody's making jokes now about you. It ain't no joke to me, Addie. I know, Phil. Didn't I see it with my own eyes? Well, sure, but... But what? Well, I ain't going to leave here till I find out what this thing was. Oh, Phil. Listen, Addie. A thing like this can follow man all his life. Well, I'd go asking for a job with Postal or Western Union or somebody. First thing, they'd look me up and people would tell them about this and... Well, where'd I be? No, sir, I'm going to stay here and find out about this here ghost train or whatever it was. But how are you going to find out, Phil? I don't know. I keep looking. Phil, don't you love me? Huh? Sure. Well, then won't you please... Honey, i got to figure this out my own way. I'll never have a good enough job to marry you if I have this ghost train thing hanging over me all my life. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I got it kind of doped out. I figure this here was some kind of unlawful thing. What? I don't know, but uh, something queer about it. You don't believe it was a ghost? <sighs> Ain't no such thing. Well, we heard a crash. Did we? Huh? Might not have been a extra loud thunder crash. My goodness, Phil, I never thought of that. You see. Phil, I bet you... You see? But what? Well, I got it in my mind that somebody's in cahoots with somebody else on this streak of rust here. And whoever it is would be glad to see me get out of here. Goodness, Phil. So I'm not going to go, see? They'll pull this trick again. And I'm going to be ready for them. How? I'm going to set a red board against them. Ain't no hoghead in the world, crook or no crook, could run through a red signal. And then what? Then I got me a thirty-eight revolver, and I'm going to see what's going on. Then maybe I'll get me a reward. So that's how I got my leg cut off. That's how it happened forty-two years afterwards to be going to California to meet my girl Addie. About a week later, I was drowsing in the depot about 10.30. And I hear the whistle. 
Well, I never waited a second. I reached out to the lever and I swung it around. I could see the reflection outside change from green to red. Man, I could hear them brakes going on from right there. So I turned off the light over my table and I reached in the drawer and I took out the 38. And I went outside. And that big 6-8 wheeler eased right up alongside of me. And the only light there was was from his headlight up ahead. And the little green marker lights on the engine. And the red from a semaphore. So I just stood there. Waiting. And nothing happened. Nobody said nothing for the longest time. And then a great big fellow was standing right there by my side. He surprised me, so I dropped the revolver. He just laughed. <laughs> Where did you stop us, boy? I sure did. Well, that's fine. Who are you? Listen, boy, we got to get going. And I was kicking around the cinders for my revolver, but I couldn't find it. He said again. Listen, boy, we got to get going. What do you mean, we? You and me. No, you don't, mister. Sure, boy. I gotta get me a fireman. What are you talking about? Give me a green light, boy, and climb aboard. I won't do it. Oh, sure you will. And sure enough, I did. I don't know how or why I've done it. But I turned around, I set the board clear, and the light was green again. And I felt myself taking hold of the grab irons, and I climbed up into the cab. I hit the deck... The engineer, he says, Grab a shovel, boy. Get to work. We're going to roll. And I felt something like a kind of song going through my head. And he leans over and he says, What's your name, boy? And I told him, Bill Connors. And I said, What's yours, mister? And he laughed. And he said, <laughs> Why, my name's Jones, boy. Casey Jones. Said to the filing boy, you better jump. Cause there's two big locomotives that are gonna to bump. Sure. <laughs> they bumped all right. I didn't jump in time. And Eddie found me there on the right away with my leg cut off. There wasn't hiding or hair or any train wreck or anything. Just nothing. Hand me my crutches, would you? You have listened to Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Addie was Ann Seymour. The engineer was Gus Gordon. And the singer was Bill Huggins. Original music for Quiet, Please is composed and played by Albert Berman. Now, for a word about next week's Quiet, Please, here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Next week's Quiet, Please is called Pathetic Fallacy, in which I shall attempt to dramatize a figure of speech. I shall probably be about as much surprised as you are. Next Monday night, Quiet, Please will be heard at a new time over most of these mutual stations. Consult your local paper for time and station. And so, until next week, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Quiet Please comes to you from New York and will be heard next week at half past nine. 
This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.